0: Welcome to my podcast, What the Fuck Spirit. If you made it past that name, this is going to be the podcast for you. This is going to be a no holds barred, no bullshit, open and honest conversation with Maria Leggett, and that's me, about all things spiritual. It's time to begin talking in an open and honest way about what spirituality is and what it is not. We're going to discuss all things woo-woo witchcraft, spiritual, queer spirituality, medium versus psychic, energy healing, light work, shadow work, and any other bullshit that people want you to believe because it keeps them comfortable. It is time for you to grow. Let's go. I am so excited today. I have an amazing guest on my podcast today. Um, before I get into who my amazing guest is, I just want to talk about some of the things that I have coming up Um I have begun revamping my website, MariaLega.com, and I am revamping the temple website, templeofthesacredcircle.org, and all of my spiritual classes will now be found on templeofthesacredcircle.org, and that's going to include all of my spirit communication classes, my mediumship classes, and so on. Um, We have begun to change things, and if you become a member of the temple, We are going to have something called Practice Your Intuition that's going to be once a month. And Practice Your Intuition is going to be a free class where you can come on and start working with your intuition. Then we're going to have a intuition development circle. called Develop Your Intuition. That's going to be once a a month as well. And of course, then from there, you can start taking my uh, mediumship class, which is going to be Your Intuitive Soul. And I'm so excited to be releasing these and doing so much more with spirit communication. I'm stoked about doing this and all of these amazing changes that are going on. Um, I also want to talk about something amazing that is launching tonight. I've kind of hinted around about it. I posted about it finally on my Facebook page. Um, today is going to be my inaugural show on to Ask One Radio and here on Facebook. Um, if you're on Facebook, it's under A1R Psychic Radio, and I get my own radio show host tonight, um, and that starts at 8.45 p.m. So every Wednesday at 8.45, you'll be able to catch me if you go onto the web at Ask One Radio. And then um, it, they're also gonna have it on moonstruck.tv and uh, many other places. And I'm just trying to like get used to all of the lingo and all of the things for the show. So I am super excited. I just can't wait for all of the changes, all of the things that are happening. And I am beyond happy that I have so many followers who have given me the grace to move through launching this temple and doing all of the things because it's just been a lot. And, you know, with when entrepreneurs get overwhelmed, sometimes we tend to drop the ball and I have just had some of the most amazing people to be patient with me and love me through all of my changes. And I'm just super excited for that. So thank you to all of you for your love, for your patience and all the things. Um, So what else is going on right now? Um, I think that's about it. We have, um, I'm going to be doing Friday night at Temple of the Rebel Goddess. We're going to be doing Spirit Hour. And I'm also going to be doing Spirit Hour at the Yoga Room in Washington Courthouse. And that's going to be on August 26th in Washington Courthouse. And also in Washington Courthouse, I'm going to be doing a sound bath the third Tuesday of the month with a guided meditation, and I'll be doing that as well at Find Me in the Woods on the last Friday of the month. So we have lots of things that are coming and going. If you want to find out about any of my classes that we're launching, any of the things happening, you can go to marialeggett.com, and it's going to show you all of the classes that we have coming up. So now I want to talk about my amazing guest that I have coming on. I am so super stoked. Um, I have on Jacob Sam's, Jacob has been in the Dayton area for most of his life. He is a hairdresser at square one and he is an amazing Ruby girl. But most importantly, he is the mastermind behind this hairstyle. Um, He started down his spiritual path at birth, having been brought up in the church. And although he no longer identifies with that religion he would never discredit what led him to spirit for the very first time. He has studied a wide variety of topics to cultivate his own little way of doing things. And I am absolutely honored and blessed to call him a co student with me in the oracular ritual um, apprenticeship with Julian Croissant Hill and my amazing personal friend. So I want to welcome Jacob to the show. Yay! Hello i'm so excited to have you on here
1: (laughs) well thanks for having me it's exciting
0: i mean we talk about you know spiritual stuff all the time and when i said to you i'm like oh my god why don't you come on my podcast you're like yeah sure
1: (laughs) right might as well just do it there
0: (laughs) right (laughs) let's do it for everybody instead of just us and see if other people can benefit from our rambling right So I did a short little brief intro for you, but I want you to talk about yourself. Tell me about the stuff you're doing. What is going on for you right now?
1: Oh, goodness. Um, I mean, you covered everything in my intro. It was a great intro. <laughs> um, I'm still a Ruby girl. Um, let's see. In my drag life, things are going pretty okay. I have my step down this weekend. I was very lucky and won a title two years ago. I was Miss Gay Dayton America.
0: I was so Um, happy when that happened.
1: Oh, yeah. It was very exciting. I was actually very shocked by it. I walked into it totally as a favor to a friend. I just thought I was like a person to fill out a contestant list. So it looked a little bit more exciting on paper. (laughs) So I just went and had the time of my life and it happened. It was great. Um, But I stepped down from that. So I give the title to someone else this weekend on Saturday. So I'm going to be preparing for that. Um, Let's see. Still working at square one. Loving that.
0: Thank God. Um, I know, right?
1: Um,
0: I'd follow you anywhere. I'm just saying.
1: Right. (laughs) Well, I mean, not too long ago. I mean, as you know, I shifted my hours around and got like a really beautiful, better work life balance for myself. And so it's made it everything a lot better. (laughs) on the whole. Yeah. Um, and then in my spiritual life, I am doing a regular ritual class with you, which has been great. Um, yeah, I've been trying my best to focus on that because I feel like I've been very busy in other things, but um, I'm being that terrible student, as I said a couple of times.
0: <laughs> I know, I said that to <laughs> Julian. I'm like, oh my God, Julian, I'm so sorry. I am the student that I can't stand having. <laughs> <laughs> The student who pushes my boundaries. And I'm like, listen, I gave you the homework. Why are you not doing it? It's, gonna, it's only going to help you. Like, listen, if you don't want to do it, fine. But you're the one who's going to have to deal with the consequences. So <laughs> poor Julian, like, sits in the background going, Shell, what are you doing? <laughs> so thank you, Julian, for having the grace and not yelling at me.
1: He's very patient.
0: (laughs) He is very patient. So let's talk about the oracular Ritual. So um, Jacob and I are students of Julian Croissant Hill, who has, um, and shame on me, but I can't remember the name of his podcast. Do you remember the name of his podcast?
1: Isn't it Queer Spirituality or something He does have
0: one of those. Um, If I go on to his, I can go on to his (laughs) website.
1: I'm terrible with names. You know this. (laughs)
0: Yes. Me too. Me too. Uh, here we go. Okay. So he, his website is priestofanana.com and he, okay. Answer your unique calling. That's his podcast. Answer your unique calling. So I'm going to get to be a guest on his too. Whoop, whoop, so excited about that. However, so um, Jacob and I are studying with Julian. Julian has, oh God more than 30 years practice, right, in witchcraft, like mm-hmm. all the different different levels, different things. I know he's done Thelema, he's done so many different things. Um, and he practices, I think, a little more eclectic now, but he has launched this course that you and I took. It started in May, right? May.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: And it's called um, the Oracular Apprenticeship. And so Julian is working with, I think there are eight students in all, right?
1: are there nine?
0: I don't remember. I mean, if I started writing them down. So there are eight or nine students in the class. <laughs> All right, don't get hung up on that <laughs> Um, So there are eight or nine students in the class. And Julian is actually teaching us how to be an oracle. And um, for me, because I'm already a professional medium, I knew it was going to be a struggle for me because I already have a very specific way that I talk to spirit. Um But being able to do this, you know, ask the oracle rituals have been, um, it's been an amazing learning process. So um, one of the things that we do is, and this is, it's not one of the things we do. Uh, The whole teaching is about allowing us to go into meditation and inviting in a deity that we work with regularly. And so each one of us has a different deity that we work with Um, and (laughs) This is where I'm stepping into like massive amounts of fear, right? Talking about who the deity is that wants to work with me. Um I, I um, I uh Jake, why don't we talk about your deity first? <laughs> so okay. who are you working with in the class?
1: Um yeah. I think before we dive into that. I yeah. think we should expand more on, like, what an oracle is and oh, please, what the ritual yeah. is. Um, because I, like, sometimes I explain it to people in my life, and they're like, "What? what is this? What are you talking about? <laughs> um, like, I think just traditionally an oracle was someone in whatever culture that people would just go to to commune with the other side, whether it be spirits or deities or past loved ones or whatever, but by entering like a really deep state of trance, they were able to have these messages come through as though the spirit was like using them to say Mm -hmm. it. And like, I mean, you can speak to that. We've heard in ritual, like people's voice change. They start like sitting differently in the chair. It's really, really cool. Very intense stuff. Um,
0: Massively powerful.
1: Yeah. And then with like the ritual, if you're someone who was ever like interested in coming, I think what's really fun is you get to kind of take part in it. Um, there's that path working, so like everyone gets yeah. to kind of experience a very light state of trance together as a group, which makes it that much more, I guess, involved. And I think, because I got to be an audience member last time, and the very first time I was in ritual, and I think that just really makes you feel included, and you kind of really like to get to tap into all the energies present instead of just walking into a room and asking someone a question.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So pathworking for anybody listening who doesn't know what pathworking is pathworking is basically it's a guided meditation. So it's a way that the guide, so we have the Oracle which for the ones we're currently doing is Julian. So Julian sits in what is called the high seat. And um, one of the, probably one of the most famous famous Oracles that people would know about would be the Oracle of Delphi. And so that would be Pythia was the high priestess who was in the temple of Apollo at Delphi. And it was always a female. It was never a male. And so she served as its oracle and she would be able to give out information to people. So people would seek the oracle and say, oracle, you know, see here hear the questions that I have for you. This is what's going on in my life. I need your help. Um, So it's very much the same way that you would go to see a medium, but it's, you know, one or two questions and you're asking the oracle and receiving this information. So Julian sits on the high seat and then we have a guide and the guide does the path working, which is kind of like a guided meditation. So you get this beautiful visual. um, And before then we do, um, we do something called a Vard Loker, where you get to come through and we use our voices to energy clear you before you step into the ritual and, I mean, you know, Jacob, what we do with that Vard Loker is powerful Yeah, and the vibrations and the sensation that you get, like you just feel the resonant of that frequency and vibration run through your body. And it is amazing to watch. It's amazing to be a part of that. Um, And it's so so calming for me, right? So here's my question, which part is calming? Is it actually doing the singing or is it receiving?
1: Um, I think it's both. I mean, I I mean, I don't know, but when you sing, I feel like you still feel that same vibration through your body. And if like all the people around you are singing like at a similar level, I feel like that carries around through everybody. I feel yeah. like you get just as much benefit being the cleanser as you are being the person being cleansed.
0: I don't disagree with you. I do not disagree with you. I think it's amazing. Um, It is such a powerful experience. And of course, then once the path working is done, the seer sits on the high seat and that's when the questions come Mm -hmm. and we are able to begin asking the oracle questions. Um, And so what is, what is your experience? How does this oracular ritual fit into your spirituality?
1: um, Let's see. I am very into all the Norse stuff, like Norse mythology, the culture. It's uh, very fascinating to me. I started tapping into that because I wanted to approach a more Earth-based spirituality with, like, through the lens of something that would not be appropriate, appropriative at all to any cultures. So I did my own little lineage research and obviously found out I was Northern European. <laughs> and... <laughs> Um started kind of like poking around there and really tapped into just the North Pan Norse Pantheon. I like the ideology behind a lot of it. But um so that fits into this practice for me, because within their like practices of magic in the Norse cultures, seed or say there was one of their practices. Um and that essentially is the same practice. It's about trance work, it's going or journeying to ask questions of spirits and deliver them back to whoever is asking the question. Um, It kind of happened very serendipitously. I was in your Mediumship 102 class at the Temple of the Rebel Goddess, and I was already kind of studying that behind the scenes. I was reading the Nine Worlds of Sather Magic at the time, uh, which is a great book. And um, you and Sarah brought it up. It's like right as I was in the middle of the book, I was like, oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) For anybody who wants to see, here's the book. I actually had it right here. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) It's called Nine Worlds of Seed Magic, and it's by Jenny Blaine. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Yes. And I love that book because she practices as well as she is an anthropologist. And so she approaches it very scholarly at the same time, but also through the lens of someone who does at their core believe what they're speaking about.
0: That's awesome.
1: But yeah, um, so yeah, that fits in that for me there because I was really interested in that because I think the root of all of my studies and different things I've read, I've always really been interested in shamanism in different forms. Um, That kind of like concept of the, I don't know, the medicine man, the person that kind of like exists between the two worlds, Mm -hmm. the person that people, person that people come to for their like problems. I heard it referred to once as like the sin eater of the village. And I just like love that concept, but yeah.
0: (laughs) That is awesome. So, I mean, for me, I guess what, I guess that the oracular ritual fits into the fact that I, you know, because I do mediumship work already for a living that I just wanted to see a different way to be able to work with spirit. And I have always been, very uncomfortable with inviting an entity in to sit in my body and speak through me. Um, But I guess it's really probably no different than doing a QHHT session, right? Because the subconscious comes in and shoves you out of the way to be able to use your body and speak. So it's really no different. It's just a different entity, right? This is one that we would know as um, and. So who do you use when you're going to sit on the high seat? Who, What deity are you working with?
1: I'm always trying to work with Odin. Um, I specifically like working with Odin because I perceive that deity to also have kind of queer tendencies. And so mm-hmm. I kind of really resonate with that. Um, I mean, because ultimately, oracular ritual in a couple cultures is like a woman's work. And so, I mean, as a gay male, I feel a lot more connected to the feminine, I think, than most men. Um, Or that could just be me as a person. I guess there's, you know, the masculine gay that exists. (laughs) But um, I've always felt very connected to, like, just strong feminine energies. And... I don't know. For me, I've always just been drawn to that kind of work. And every time I like find something, then when I'm researching that is interesting to me. It always ends up being like, oh, well, this is like the woman's work. And I'm like, well, I want to do it anyway.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, so the... <laughs> the deity that I work with that I, I mean, I fought long and hard on this. I have, you know, I have a patron goddess and I have a patron God that I work with and those are um, Hakate and Ra. So I work with two of them and they're two two, completely different pantheons, but there it is. Um, And so, you know, Julian said, you know, go into meditation and start asking them who wants to work with me and pick three different ones. And I'm like, okay. You know, so we all did that. We all sit down and went through the three different Mm -hmm. ones and, all the ones that I went to said, nope, not me, nope, not me. And I'm like, wait a minute, what are you doing? You're all betraying me. It was so uncomfortable. Um, and you see, I'm like stuttering. I don't want to say it. <laughs> uh, so here's the here's the fear, right? This is this is all part of it. Um, part of my process of going through this is I have to get past the fear. So the deity that I have to work with, he is an ascended master and it is Jesus. So there it's out in the public. Jesus is the ascended master that I will be working with through the oracular ritual. And it was really hard for me to accept that just because I have such church trauma in my background. And he literally looked at me in meditation and said, and that's why you're the perfect one to work with. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Thanks Jesus. I appreciate that. So it has definitely been an interesting, an interesting process to work with him and feel his energy so close as he stepped in towards me. Um, How did you feel when Odin like stepped in?
1: Um, For me, kind of stepped in in a big way because I like you originally didn't think that that was the direction I was going to go. I wanted to keep things kind of like in the Norse wheelhouse for imagery purposes, because that was like where I was kind of living at the time and still am. Um, but I was gonna try and connect with Freya and do the work with her because she, you know, brought the practice to the other deities and she was mm-hmm. like the teacher of it. So I thought, well, who better?
0: You like the feminine energy.
1: Absolutely. Um, Cause traditionally I've never really worked with a lot of like very masculine energies. I typically shy away from them for I'm sure some reason my therapist can work out with me, but. <laughs> <laughs> but um so as i learned through her you know she taught it to odin and then i started kind of like reaching more into odin and like all these like dots started connecting and like all these things started firing off my brain and i'm like oh my gosh like i've been like learning about this person for a very long time in small doses and in ways that i didn't even realize that that's what i was learning about um and so he just kind of moved to the forefront and i feel like I don't know. Just kind of took the reins and <laughs> but when we did our practice and he stepped in for the question that I answered, um it was interesting because there's like this like split moment of I don't really want to call it fear because it was almost like that excitement, like right when you're like at the top of a roller coaster hill and you're like right about to be released it's like that like pit of your stomach feeling and you just kind of have to like breathe through it and release it. And then for me, it was like a little pop almost. And then I felt like I was still present and aware of like movements and things that were happening, but I was almost like, it was almost like I was in a really deep meditation or like mm-hmm. right on the edge of passing into sleep. If that makes sense. You know, well, the, that's that
0: because I experienced it. So that makes complete.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that moment when you're laying in bed at night and you're like, you know, sitting like just closed eyes with your thoughts right before you drift off to sleep. Like whatever that last thought is you have, that's what it feels like for the whole time.
0: <laughs> yeah, it does feel yeah. like that. That's true. That's true. It's I I like how you described it as, you know, how you get up to the top of the roller coaster, because that's pretty much what mine felt like. I distinctly remember my heart going. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is this? And he was like, girl, you have got to start exercising. (laughs) And it's just because his vibration is so high and my body is not used to something that Mm -hmm. high. I mean, I talk to spirit all the time, but I don't invite them into my body. And so it was definitely interesting for him to say, you know, we've got to work on your heartbeat. So he was able to slow it down and work on it as he stepped in. And, you know, it's interesting because when I did the QHHT session, I distinctly remember my personality kind of getting shoved to the left and down. Hmm. But when I was working with Jesus, it went to the right and down. So I was down over here on the right and I could feel him here. And so I was aware that my body was moving, but I was also aware that I was not in control of it.
1: That's interesting.
0: So, yeah, definitely aware that I was not controlling it at all. But I also felt like it's funny because you know I felt like I needed to stand up and sit up more and be like six feet tall. And I'm thinking, I am way too short for this. <laughs> so how did you how did you get onto your spiritual path to begin with?
1: Oh, um, my mammal took me to church. <laughs> um yeah, I, honestly, it was through my mammal, my grandmother on my dad's side of the family. She was a very, very devout Christian, uh, but she always had these little like isms and things that she did, and it was it's so fascinating because like as I read and learn about different things now, uh, I look back and a lot of the little weird things she did were were actually things that would have been. Considered witchcraft or like folk magicy, mm-hmm. but they were just little things that her mom did that she showed us. It was um very interesting. Um, like what
0: you tell? I want to know.
1: Oh, like so she had this like little trick where she would tell you how many kids you were going to have in your life and like what their what their born genders would be. Oh, and I think I said yeah, genders at birth. Anyways, like um, genders at birth. She would take a needle and thread and run it through a number two pencil that was freshly sharpened and she would swing it over your wrist like a pendulum. And then based on how it swung, she would tell you, okay, you're going to have this many kids. They're going to be this, 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 and this.
0: Oh, wow. And she was
1: Yeah. She was right every time.
0: <laughs> you know what's funny? I, I distinctly remember this. When my sister-in-law was pregnant, I was probably, I don't know, 12. Yeah, because Renata was like five years older than me. And I think she was 17 when she got pregnant with my nephew. So I was like 12 years old. And I remember this thing that I was taught growing up. So I said to her, I'm like, let me go get some thread. So I went and got some thread. And I came back. I said, give me your wedding ring. So I took her wedding ring, put it on the thread. And I held it over her very pregnant belly. And it was, and I I don't remember at this point, whether it was back and forth or round and round. But one Mm -hmm. of them was a boy and one of them was a girl. And I said to her, oh, you're going to have a boy. And she's like, Oh, but I want a little girl. And I said, Nope, you're having a boy. Sorry. And yeah. my nephew was born. So it's funny because you're right. That's all folk magic stuff, but things that in the Christian religion they don't think twice about because just what yeah. was always done.
1: Yeah, just what you do.
0: Yeah, it's just what you yeah. do. And you know, it's one of those things where a lot of that comes from Appalachia, a lot of it, especially for around the Ohio, Southern Ohio, because we're in Southern Ohio, right? Mm-hmm. Um in that you know in that region because we're so close to Appalachia and they just kind of spread out through here absolutely I love that
1: yeah but yeah I'm trying to think of any like other my sister always told me that she would ask her she had this little cross necklace and she would use that as a pendulum for like yes and no's Mm -hmm. um which I find that so fascinating because when I very first started like dabbling in anything kind of like witchy or you know trying to step over the line <laughs> as far as like my old views went um that was the first thing i tuned into was pendulum magic and i just fell in love with it right away and i was like oh my god i've been doing this since i've been a kid
0: <laughs> i love that so i so Mama introduced you to this yes as you got older how did you how how did your views begin to shift and change and why
1: oh um That's always an interesting question for me because I think what shifted and changed were my views and opinions on the people I was going to church with. Um, And it took a long time of like healing and caring for those old wounds to like be able to even say that Um, because I was for a long time, that person that unfortunately because I'm a gay male was not really accepted by my church or the community I was around for that. Um, and, you know, I, so I became that person immediately that was like, oh, Christianity is terrible. Oh, this religion sucks. Oh, you know, they did this wrong. This is wrong. That's wrong. It's all terrible trash, throw it all out. Um, but, you know, after like a lot of working on myself and like learning things, I, I started, I, don't know, I guess in church I was connected to something I and mean, I wasn't sure what that something was. And so when I turned away from the church and that faith, I wanted to see how other things in the world viewed that same thing I felt I was connecting to because I felt I had this very real connection to something. Yes. And so I started chasing it. And so I started like reading as about as many religions as I can get my hands on because I wanted to know like, what are other people's opinions on this? Like how does this, how does this work everywhere in the world? It can't just be this one way. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I think a lot of my stuff changed because of my coming out of the closet. I was like 16 years old. Um, and so my first step obviously was to become the darkest, most evil witch I could possibly become.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if I'm gonna rebel, I'm doing it the long
1: <laughs> Right, so it was like, but it was all very like cosmetic, right? It was all like, you know, all the black, like painted on clothes and the heavy metal music and the craziness and <laughs> because that's what you needed to do. So everyone knew that you were no longer affiliated with this thing.
0: <laughs> I can't even imagine you looking like that.
1: Oh yes, I was like emo kid fabulous. It was, <laughs> it was great. I have pictures I can show you. It's a good time. You um, don't
0: have to show them to me.
1: Absolutely. Um, But, yeah, so then I kind of was just kind of doing my own thing for several years. um, And one of my ex-partners, actually, that I was with for quite some time was a witch. And they kind of guided me into really deepening a lot of things and, like, learning and, like, uh, I guess expanding my knowledge and deepening my understanding about what... Paganism and witchcraft and all that really was versus like what I wanted it to be or mm-hmm. what I saw in movies or this cosmetic right. thing I was trying to pull off. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know where else to go from there. I, that was kind of my journey, and as I kind of deepened that, I'm a very quick learner and I read pretty quickly, and so I was just destroying stuff. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you have a lot more information tucked away in your head than you lead on and let anybody know is there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you yeah.
1: But like, yeah. I, and also though, I was always taught to you that everyone has something to teach, even if it's, if it's just their perspective. So yeah. like, even if you think someone is totally wrong in the information they're giving it to you, maybe something about the perspective and way that they're delivering that information is valuable in some way. You know what I mean like Absolutely. Interesting. You know what I mean like maybe maybe they're filling in a gap there that I haven't looked at.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, there are some teachers that I've had who've like really pushed me to the point where you know I've tried during the class or whatever and I have to look back at that and go, "Okay, what the fuck was there to learn from that?" Yeah. And sometimes it's literally just, "Okay, that's not the kind of teacher I want to be." Mm -hmm. But I still learn something. So I learn something from everyone that I come across, whether it's the kind of person I want to be, the kind of person I don't want to be, or actual substantial good education. Mm -hmm. I get something from
1: everyone. Absolutely.
0: So how did you become a Ruby girl? Talk to me about that.
1: Oh, yes. Um, Let's see. I had been doing drag in the area for several years. And I was working. So
0: what made you even get into drag? Let's go all the way back.
1: Let's see. Um, I started sneaking into Matt's nightclub when I was 16 years old. (laughs) Did you really? Because I learned that my 18-year-old friends could go in and they came out with these rather hefty wristbands. And I could slide one off of their wrists and onto mine and then just put the X's on my hand the same way the club did it. And walk right in and pay the $2 dollars reentry fee and no one ever asked for your ID because you've already been in, right? Because you're, right. you're banded up and ready to go. <laughs>
0: wow. Um thing.
1: Right? <laughs> um, you know, we all have things that we have to work on that we're not proud of. <laughs> 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 but um, I walked in and the first time I ever went, there was a drag show happening. And I just saw this like force of nature on stage. Um, The drag queen's name was Hope Sexton. I'll never forget that performance. She was like this like cop. I couldn't tell you what song she was doing, but she just looked so amazing to me and all the lights and the glamor. Everyone was so into the performance and she just was up there doing whatever it is she felt like doing. And everyone just loved every second of it. And I was like, oh my God, I want to be that person. My son signs a Leo, so naturally, at a young age, I was like, I need to be in that spotlight. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but it wasn't until a couple years later that I made friends with another queen at uh, mass nightclub. Her name was Mandy O'Toole. She was a hairdresser, and she started doing my and my mom's hair for a little bit. Um, she got really close with my mom for a little while and, like, would hang out with us all the time, and she told me, that I would be a beautiful drag queen. And I was like, I think you're right. <laughs> so she, I
0: agree with that. I'm so glad so, she said
1: that to you. Yes. So she put me in drag for my first time. I did, my very first show was on a Sunday night. They used to be called Sunday School um, with a queen that I was friends with named Tramp Towers, um, And I did a pink song that I don't think I knew all the words to lip sync. And I had a terrible... Uh, orientation with this camera Um, (laughs) I think I had on like a terrible mall dress that was like snow leopard and like little silver sequins and then like a wig that my drag mom gave me (laughs) it was a fun night Um, but then I never stopped from there and I just kept sneaking in places and I learned that when you snuck in places in drag they definitely didn't card you because of course you're supposed to be there because you're the drag queen
0: right 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 right
1: Um, and then when I turned 18, I started getting bookings places because they'd already seen me in drag and I'd already done like free stage stuff because they didn't ID you for that. (laughs) It was only when you got paid that you got ID'd. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. And I just kind of, I don't know, I've never stopped for a while. I tried to make it work as like a full-time career and I was doing shows four and six nights a week. That was a very intense time in my life. Um, And then I got into the Ruby girls because they actually, the first time I ever saw the Ruby girls, uh, they were at mass nightclub and I was going there to see some friends and I went downstairs to go see them and they threw me out of the dressing room. Why? (laughs) Yes. It was so funny. They were like, I'm sorry, are you with the Ruby girls? And I was like, no, then you need to go upstairs. And I was like, but my, my friend, (laughs) Um, but yeah, so then I went upstairs and, watch some of their show. And it was just so funny because at that point in my life, I was just learning what it was to be a drag queen. And so like many things in life, when you're brand new to it, there's always like people out there dictating what your experience needs to be. Right. So they're like, Oh, you have to do this and have to do this and have to do this. And Ruby girls just totally take that mold and just throw it in the trash. I mean, these, <laughs> these men had on mall dresses and they had on like these, like, like, I don't know, just terrible costume jewelry, terrible wigs, like their armpits weren't shaved. It was just <laughs> it was a mess, but it was such a delightful mess and they were having the time of their lives and they're so joyful and like you could just really see the connection with the audience there. Um and then so years later I started helping them in the dressing room for their big show that happens every year here in Dayton. The show must go on. Um and I did that for like 2 years in a row and then they finally let me do a show. Um and When they start planning for one show, they're also planning for their next two or three shows. And so I just kept going, I'm gonna come to that one, and that one, and that one. (laughs) And then like two years later, I'm a Ruby girl.
0: Yay! (laughs) Yeah. And I have to say, I mean, I have seen you do your thing and you are absolutely brilliant. Brilliant, you really are. Thanks. I mean, I love watching it. And I mean, your personality, Off of the stage is already amazing. But when you're on, it is it is almost like you're being taken over by something else.
1: Oh, that's my experience. It's like (laughs) it's a whole new person.
0: Yeah. Because I mean, we're, you know, you're on the stage and you're doing your thing. And I've been to some of them, of course. And as I'm watching them, you'll, like, come by. And, of course, you make eye contact, which is what I love when you're on the stage. You make eye contact with all the people who are handing you money and doing things. So you make it a very personal experience for the people who are coming by. And it was funny. Like, I remember, what uh, what was it? The the old, what did you call it? Old Street Saloon. Is that where it was? Yes. When i was there you came by and you looked down at me and you smiled and you said thank you and there was almost no recognition of who i was (laughs) and i looked at that and i went well that's really interesting and i I mean i wasn't offended at all but it was like oh oh (laughs) yeah I love that. That's your experience because I mean, maybe, right. Maybe when you get on and you put on all the stuff and the makeup and the wig, and then, you know, maybe not even just the clothes, it it may just be when you get up on that stage, boom, there's that switch. Like, do you Mm. feel a switch between putting the clothes on or getting on the stage? Cause I'm sure you feel it.
1: Um, for me, like once my face is on and the hair's on, I'm good. (laughs) I I could leave, I could totally leave all of my like daytime clothes on and just have that on and I'm ready to go. (laughs) Um, I think for me, like as I'm getting ready, it's a very like slow and subtle shift. And I feel like I like kind of lean more into those more feminine qualities about myself. I... For a long time was like very conscious about how i moved and all those other things and i think it's like slowly become second nature and so as i am preparing myself to get into my drag character i'm slowly shifting into that drag character um but the experience i have when i get on stage to perform is very crazy i mean it's a very joyful experience i love being up there i love all the energy like, for me, that's more than, like, any dollar I could ever earn, The energy exchange that happens between the entertainer and the crowd is just incredible. Yes. I mean, to do something, like, absolutely ridiculous and to be met with, like, applause and screaming, it's, <laughs> it's a very cool experience. Um, but when I hit the stage, it's almost like, it's almost very similar to our experience for the regular Ritual class when you're in that trance state. It's I'm, like, there witnessing what's going on, and I'm aware that I'm moving and things are happening, but it's almost like I'm in just such this, like, I don't know if it's just a bliss state or just a flow mm-hmm. state or whatever, but I get off the stage and people are like, oh, my God, you did this or you did that, and it's even when I'm, like, on the microphone, people are like, oh, my God, you said this, and it was so funny, and I'm like, oh, I did? <laughs>
0: I have no doubt That's in my right. mind that you're in trance state when you do that, just because the way that I've seen you and I watched you, it's not, I don't want to say it's a blank stare, but it's not the Jacob eyes. It's, it's yeah. definitely something else. And it yeah. is, I mean, it is truly a privilege to watch the energy and the way that you act. And um, it was funny. I was talking to your partner at your mom's renewal thing on Friday mm-hmm. and he's like, you know, You know, Jake is always on and he's right. Because when you go to do those pictures with your mom, you're like, (laughs) it just, it just started popping and we were giggling so much. He's like, oh girl, he's like that all the time, (laughs) Which which I think is awesome. I love it. So one of the things that you had put when you filled out the application to do the podcast was that you view drag as part of your spirituality talk to me about that
1: oh goodness I think that there are I mean so aside from the whole like piece that I feel like you know being on stage is a form of trance work in and of itself um I think that drag teaches you things that people learn normally on their spiritual paths you know like going back to the piece where you know People in your life are always trying to dictate your experience. I think that drag is the one thing that you get to totally cultivate and decide for yourself what that experience is and what it's going to be. And no one else can touch that. I mean, you might let people influence it, but at the end of the day, if you're going to be happy with who you are as an entertainer, it has to come totally from the heart and totally from you because there's never like any amount of money that's going to add up to what you invest into it or the blood, the sweat and tears that go into the work that you do, especially if you're someone who's a full-time entertainer. And I think that kind of translates over to your spiritual path, because I mean, there's so much of that work you have to do to remove all those conditioned terms that you were given Mm. from the time of birth. And I mean, and to, although, yeah, (laughs) also to put on drag, it's like, put on a suit of armor that suit of armor is basically just saying fuck you to the world and because there's so many people who oppose i mean especially right now in the media like it's just being just looked down upon everywhere and so just to put on that outfit and to say to the world like this is me this is what i'm doing and i'm not holding back is just a very powerful statement um, and I think that that's something that you know you strive for in your spirituality to just embrace it, stand up for what you believe and who you are as a person, and say to the world, like, this is what I'm doing. You can join the party or you can get out of the way.
0: <laughs> I love that because you're you're absolutely correct. And I don't to meet me personally, I don't understand why there is such a big deal about drag to begin with. People pay a lot of money to go to the movies. And watch people be someone that they're not every single day. You sit down and you watch TV. While you're watching TV, those people are not themselves. They're pretending to be someone else. What the fuck is the difference between a television show, a movie show, and a drag show?
1: Hmm. I think that some of our more conservative members of society who might have some more radical ideas about how society should be run (laughs) i think they fear feminine energy oh i don't think and i think feminine feminine energy in any form that's presented to them is going to be terrible and i I just think it's all i think it's all comes back to there's totally trying to suppress the feminine in society in every way shape or form in a drag i mean drag queens for me at least my definition of drag is i'm celebrating feminine energy i'm celebrating the female form it was like you know my feminine energy was suppressed as a child it was like for so long it was a negative aspect of myself that i had to control and contain and so then to get on stage and be jackie O, I can let all those aspects of myself just explode and it'd be celebrated um And there's not a lot of avenues in life where I think people truly celebrate feminine energy like that. And so I just think I'm, I'm not sure. And I think that with, you know, things like RuPaul's Drag Race and drag becoming more mainstream in society, people are no longer seeing that a drag queen is this, like, caricature of this, like, man in a dress that is this terrible, disgusting thing. But they're real people. You know, like, I'm an uncle. I'm an uncle. I have a family, you know. A lot of drag queens I know have their own kids. Like they're real life everyday people. That just choose to do this style of performance.
0: It's entertainment. And it just. It, it, it bothers me so deeply to my core. That somebody has an issue with people. Who are expressing themselves. In a very comfortable and beautiful way for them. If you are so uncomfortable with drag. Then don't go watch it. Don't go around it. It's that simple. But you don't have a right to tell somebody else that it's evil and you shouldn't be doing it. That's where I get really upset because no one has the right to say what you can do with your body. I don't care if it's fucking abortion. I don't care if it's drag. You do what you want to do with your body. And I get like, I get really incensed about that. And I want to like stand up on my soapbox and say, you do what you want to do. It's why I get so upset when people, you know, have this whole issue over transgender people. What is it to you? What do you care how they behave in the world? What do you, what does it affect you? It is none of your business. If somebody wants to be transgender because they believe they were born in the wrong body, let them fix it and go live their lives happy. Who are you to say that they shouldn't? Mm -hmm. And somewhere along the way, I mean, and this has happened, of course, it all goes back to, and this is something that you and I have, have talked about, you know, it all goes back to the fact that Christianity has yanked out so many books out of the Bible where femininity was completely ripped out of the Bible and made to be, instead of being the divine feminine, the female was made to be subservient to the white patriarchy. And, It's just been suppressed for thousands of years. It doesn't matter what culture you're in. Women are always made to be subservient. And the divine feminine is making this massive comeback, which is why I love watching drag. I love seeing this because to me, it is the way that a man, you know, somebody who was born male can embrace their femininity, can embrace everything about themselves and just be genuinely who they are in the moment. And nobody should suppress that. Nobody should have a right to say how you can do it and how you shouldn't.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I don't know. I think with a lot of those people, I mean, because I've experienced like, you know, the protesters at Pride and I see the things online and all that. Um, I think what's interesting for me is that a lot of those people are coming from a place where teachings that they are hearing to are unconditional love. And if that is the kind of unconditional love that you have experienced in your life, then maybe they're using me and my art form as a scapegoat. So they don't have to look at the things in their own life. Mm -hmm. It's easier to project problems than to deal with your own. And especially when you're living in times when people are experiencing so many anxieties and so many stressors in life it's really easy to have a villain on the outside you know in I don't know I guess in my perfect little world I am in a space where I don't really care what people have to like think or feel about what it is that I do with my life like any I, I believe that you're totally entitled to think or feel whatever it is you want to think or feel but Somewhere along the lines, we lost the piece that we don't have the agency to tell other people how to think or feel. So, like, if I think or feel X, Y, Z, and you think or feel A, B, C, that's great good for you. I'm not going to correct you. I'm not going to try and change how you think or feel. But I'm also not going to, like, combat it because I think or feel differently.
0: Yes. Does
1: that make sense? Like, just let people do what they want. And if you don't like it, great. No one's going to come and change that. But just keep it to yourself. <laughs>
0: like. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that, I think that's part of that. that that's that been part of what I've struggled with on my spiritual journey, right? It was I was so repressed in the, the churches that I grew up in. So repressed and I couldn't do this. And we couldn't do that. And every time I would ask why it was just shut up and believe because I said so. Um, and nobody could explain certain things to me. Like, why am I feeling this? Why is this happening? And it was like, just shut up and do what you're told. Mm-hmm. And so there was this there was no expression allowed. And so as I finally got older, um, you know, and I converted to Judaism. And so that was not freeing enough. And then I left that and I went and found Wicca. And then so that was not freeing enough. And then I started opening up to omniism. And just so I just flat out say, you know, I'm a pagan, period, because I believe in all these massive things or I'm an omniist. You know, it's why I'm a spiritualist minister, because it's the openness of all of the things um, but as I've started to, you know, flip over into this stuff, I, I still, no matter what it was, some of the dogmas still came at me with, well, this is what you have to believe even as, you know, a practicing witch. well, this is how you have to do it. And a lot of that was just that part of my past that I hadn't deconstructed yet and pulled out. And so it's just looking at all of the ways and recognizing, like what you said, honoring someone from where they are and go, hey, I think it's great that you're doing that. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I'm not going to tear you down for it. And I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong for doing it. Right. My my only issue, literally my only issue with any religion, I don't want to say it's just Christianity because it's not just Christianity. My only issue with any dogmatic religion is that. They're not open to accepting for people who believe differently. Just because I believe differently doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. It means that that's what works for me. And if you being a diehard Catholic and going to mass on Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, whatever it was, because I'm not Catholic. But if if those things are important to you, have at it. If it makes you a good person and you feel good about yourself, fantastic. But don't proselytize to me. Don't tell me that I have to be one. Don't tell me that I'm wrong. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, it's also important to remember that it's not all of them. You know what I mean? Because I've met I've met people who are Christian in coming to spiritual spaces that are like a more neutral
0: absolutely. spirituality.
1: I've met, you know, Catholics who just like, I mean, my great grandma was one of them. She was one of those Catholics, like, this is what I believe. And then I'm just going to mind my own business.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and I have uh, the utmost respect for that. Yeah. Um, you know, it was one of those things that my, my best friend who passed away in 2019, she was Catholic. Mm-hmm. And she really struggled with with witchcraft and some of my beliefs. And, you know, and so we kind of had some disagreements over belief stuff because, and I never told her that she was wrong, but I think she felt like some of the stuff that I was doing was wrong. hmm And, you know, so then it was sitting down and going, okay, do you realize that the majority of your Catholic service is pagan based? And then me having to point out all the pagan pieces
1: (laughs) of the Catholic
0: church, you know, and just, uh, just let people be who they want to be. Allow them the the autonomy to be happy. Right. You know, there doesn't have to be dogman in any of it. It's just, this is what I believe. And if you don't believe it, that's cool. I can still be friends with you. And exactly. I have met some, I have met some, and there aren't many, but I have met some amazing Christians who are like, just because I don't believe that doesn't mean that I don't like you. Right. And we can right. have these conversations. And this is what I loved about them was that we could have conversations about, you know, what about this and what about that? And it's like, oh, I don't really believe that. Oh, okay, cool. And you just move on. Yeah. And it's just becoming comfortable with that. At least that's what I think anyway. <laughs> that's my two then. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I yeah. can't believe it's been almost an hour, Jacob. We we have to do this again just because there are so many more questions that I want to talk to you about. Because we go down okay. all together when it's just a <laughs> <way>. <laughs> now we're just gonna do it in front of people. <laughs> right. <laughs> So every time I have a guest on, I ask the exact same question. And so I want you to answer this too. So here's my question before we have to close. What does spirituality mean to you?
1: Ooh, um, it means so many things. Mm. <laughs> I think spirituality means looking to yourself for the answers.
0: Mm.
1: versus, like, a lot of people in life, I feel, look to the opinions of others. They look outside of themselves for sources or guidance when it's all inside. And I think Mm -hmm. once, once you realize in life that it is all inside, you realize that you're the one standing in your own way of a lot of things, and then you start trying to find ways to get out of your own way. And I think that's what the spiritual path is all about.
0: I love that. I love that because that goes with the one thing that spirit has made me like start telling everybody, which is you were born with everything you need to heal yourself.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So it's all here. And that's, I think that's part of, part of why society is the way it is rather than us having accountability for our own actions. We we look at, you know, well, this is the authority that said, this is what I'm supposed to believe. And now I'm just going to come at you. And so it's affecting all these things out here, instead of looking at, do I really believe what I'm being told? Or am I just being told because I don't want to go to hell.
1: And that's interesting, because like, uh, so many times I've heard people speak about when you're doing like, a more uh, pagan path or an earth based practice, there's always like this piece of a lot of things you learn as a remembrance because your spirit knows because it's, it's like the way things were for so long. Um, and so it's like that piece of like being born with all the tools you need already. And then that, yes. like that resonance of like remembering those things or encountering those moments, even in like more formal education when it's like, Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We refer to it as uh re-remembering, like re-remembering all the things that you knew before you incarnated in this life. Mm-hmm. You know, we're born, we forget them. You go through that waterfall of forgetfulness and you forget how amazing your soul is and all the magic that you knew before you were born. Now you have to like spend the next 90 years trying to remember what it was. (laughs) Oh, goodness. This has been absolutely amazing. I am so grateful that you have come on with me. I have like a million more questions for you. So we definitely have to do this again. Absolutely. Um, and I'm definitely going to move the podcast, I think, to be like seven o'clock at night so that we can have people who will pop on and start asking questions and we can enjoy yeah. that. Um, so for anybody who is watching, thank you very much. And anybody who is listening to this later, please find us, comment, let us know um, what you think about this. I've had such an amazing time with you, Jacob. I just adore you. Mwah! So, so Mwah. much. <laughs> there you Thanks
1: go.
0: Thank you for anyway.
1: having me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. Thank you so much to everybody who's been watching. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Jacob. I hope everybody has an absolutely amazing day.
1: Yes. Bye.